0: Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Cawley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Cawley. Welcome to another edition of the Later in Life Planning Show,
1: sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm your host, Patrick Cawley. And those of you who have listened to the show uh, before know that I often repeat the sort of mantra or mission statement of Keystone Elder Law. Our goal is to shield the middle class from the costs and challenges of getting older. And every episode of this show, I try to find another way to present what might be a problem or a challenge, but also present a resource, something that you should know is out there because... Every year, there's more and more resources that are geared towards helping older adults and the family members who are often tasked with uh, handling these, these problems or challenges themselves. So whether you have a spouse or a parent, a neighbor or a friend who needs an extra level of assistance in the later years of life, there is a wide array of services and supports available. For example, there are assisted living facilities, memory care communities, personal care communities, and adult day programs. Each one of these can solve the problem of someone who is unsafe being alone or simply is isolated in their home. These are great resources for someone who needs assistance that is simply greater than what a spouse or a family member can provide. And they, they provide a break for family caregivers because caregiving can be tough. So, Number one, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, get your legal planning done well in advance of ever being in this situation. You don't want to be on the doorstep of the assisted living facility and find out there's no power of attorney in place. Planning for incapacity is important for every single person listening to this show. And there is asset protection that can be done along the way, especially if you start early enough when you're in good health. So go to KeystoneElderLaw.com or give us a call, 717-697-3223. If you go to the website, you'll see a workshops tab. I offer weekly free webinars, workshops, where I go through, you know, this is what I see playing out in the later years of life. This is legal planning, financial planning, and other types of planning you can do to build a shield to protect yourself from those threats. But if one of those resources I mentioned ever becomes the best solution for your family member, your friend, whoever it may be, you might start wondering about access to healthcare. And in particular, there's a type of healthcare that people, in my opinion, just don't give enough attention to. I'm talking about dental hygiene, oral hygiene. And today I'm going to focus on how that sort of dental work is done for older adults who might be in one of these specialized higher level of, of care uh, communities or facilities. So what happens when that you're in that level of care and, you know, you need, you need the kind of oral hygiene you, you would normally get by going to a dentist's office? Um, what happens if they don't get that kind of help? These are the questions we're going to get to today. And to discuss the importance of oral hygiene and, and keeping up with dental hygiene and work, uh, for older adults and and how those needs are met my guest today is cheryl greer a registered dental hygienist who has a service called your visiting hygienist cheryl thank you for being here sharing your your helpful information with the listeners of the show
2: thank you patrick i'm uh, privileged to be here and share this service with uh, everyone
1: well i just think it's a wonderful idea you and i have spoken before in a similar format where i just thought people need to know about this because once you realize how important the oral hygiene is, the problems it can really lead to that affect not only longevity but but quality of life along the way. And and then, you know, people don't know that there's a way that those needs can be met. I just I'm so thrilled that you're here to talk about this. So first of all, let's give a little background on you. You I, I said you are a registered dental hygienist. What are what, what what does what sets you apart from, for example, the dental hygienist I see when I go to the dentist's office?
2: Okay, so a registered dental hygienist is the person that you see in a dental office. They're one that cleans your teeth there, and they yell at you for not flossing. Yes,
1: they do. Yes,
2: that that's <laughs> me too. Um, in addition to registered dental hygienist, I am also a public health dental hygiene practitioner. It's a mouthful. Um, but it is an, an additional certification that dental hygienists can get that allows us to practice in public health settings in addition to a dental office.
1: And these public health settings are the ones that I mentioned a moment ago, maybe assisted living, uh, personal care communities, uh, I suppose independent living communities, adult day, places like that.
2: Correct. Um, I usually um, limit myself to those types of places. We can do it in any type of public health setting. I am my heart is with the senior population. So my focus is mainly on um, those types of retirement communities, the nursing homes, continuing care facilities, uh, the adult day cares, um, like you mentioned.
1: And one thing you and I spoke with before we went on the air was I, there has to be a need for people out there who are isolated in their homes, and they also have the same needs as far as their dental hygiene goes. Uh, But does your license allow you to go into people's private homes?
2: Unfortunately, it does not. Um, I wish it did. There is, like you said, a huge need. I get calls a lot from people who are housebound that cannot get out anymore. Um, But no, the uh, the licensure only includes public health settings. And so a private home, private residence does not fall under that.
1: Sure. So those are the state rules. But I'm sure, I, I don't know how many people out there are out there possibly with the same certification and offering this kind of service, but uh, you must have your hands full. I mean, there, there must be a lot of, of people who fall under this category. So anybody who's out there in one of these settings and let's say they can't easily be transported to a dentist's office or it's just one more trip other than the doctors they have to go see, uh, you know, you're there to to go in and be their dental hygienist.
2: Correct. I have all my own equipment. Um, I have a cordless handpiece. Um, I take everything in, and I go directly into their apartment, um, in the privacy and comfort of their home, and am uh, able to clean their teeth right there.
1: That's fantastic. And how did you get started with this? I, I I'm not sure you and I have spoken about this before, but you you said your heart is with the senior community. That makes two of us. And so you sought out this way to help them, which is so amazing. But how did that idea come about?
2: Well, the state of Pennsylvania um, allowed us to get this extra certification in 2010. And I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do with it, um, but I felt like I had to have it. And then one day, um, my grandmother, who lived at Country Meadows in Hershey, um, she was independent living But she had had like seven back surgeries, didn't drive anymore, and was in her late 80s at the time, early 90s maybe even. Um, My dad brought her into our office and I cleaned her teeth. And when she was checking out... She put her head down on the countertop because the outing had just been exhausting for I, her.
1: I'm shocked she had the mobility after that many back surgeries yeah. to even get to the office.
2: Yeah, she had a walker, but she she could move. But it was tiring for her, just sure. just that little bit of activity. Um, so that's when it hit me that I, I could go to her. I could go to her apartment at Country Meadows and clean her teeth. So I contacted the executive director there. Told him, you know, about my licensure, about my services, and got clearance. And it really um, just grew from there. I was able to see her. I started seeing other people at Country Meadows, and then as word got out, I started going to um, other communities.
1: And and did your business? Your, your it's called Your Visiting Hygienist, and on the web, listeners, you can find Cheryl Greer at Your Visiting or. Give her a call at 717-580-0467. But did your visiting hygienist exist at this point? No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was just Cheryl with her cleaning stuff. Um, And then as I got busier, um, my husband, who is a financial advisor and a CPA, (laughs) said... Um you need a business, you need an LLC, you know you're getting too busy, we need to separate private stuff from business Probably stuff. Probably a good idea. <laughs> yes. So that's how um your visiting hygienist came to be.
1: And so then you started to establish um not only a connection or a relationship starting maybe with with Country Meadows and and where you said word spread, but I mean word naturally would spread that, that wait a second, we know many people like you know your family member who fall into the same category. Is that? Is that pretty much how it took off?
2: No. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, it actually moved slowly. Okay. Surprisingly, um, even people would hear about it and not really take advantage of it. And then once they do, once I see one person somewhere, then it really grows in in sure. that place. So, um, and then there's a lot of communities that have sister communities in other places. And then that's really how then it started to grow as I got into like, um, Columbia Cottage and then you've got it in Palmyra and you've got it in Linglestown and, um, a bunch of different places.
1: Yeah. So maybe, maybe people were, had a little bit of nervousness just like they do about going to the dentist themselves. And it took, it took positive feedback for, for the word to spread, but I'm glad it did. Uh, and again, my guest today is Cheryl Greer, a, uh, Dental hygienist who, who serves people who are in a higher level of care community. We'll be back to speak more with Cheryl after a break. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP
0: 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We are back on the
1: Later in Life planning show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Colley. I'm your host of the show. And my guest today is Cheryl Greer, who runs a service called Your Visiting Hygienist. You can find her on the web at yourvisitinghygienist.com. Her number is 717-580-0467. And Cheryl, we were sort of uh, chatting about your background and how you, you came to have this service and how eventually it started to take off. And obviously, there's there's a, a need for it um, maybe just seeing the wisdom of of you know locating the people who need your services the most uh, took some time but I mean when I when I did some background research into uh, you know what what are the unique oral hygiene needs of older adults or what are the more common issues that come up I I was a little Shocked that you're the only person I know who does. Maybe there's others who do it. Maybe across the country, there's people uh, listening in other states. Maybe maybe there's someone like you there. Um, but you know, according to the CDC, uh, those who are in some sort of care setting have a higher risk for poor oral health. and And I think that's probably a combination of things. Uh, maybe you can touch on it. But whether it's the medications they're more likely to be on will lead to certain conditions, dental conditions, which can then lead to other health conditions, or it could just be that there's nobody tending to their dental needs. They're taking care of everything else, but they're neglecting that. But what are, in your experience, what are the more common needs for this, uh, for for extra attention when it comes to oral hygiene for somebody who's older, somebody who is under a higher level of care?
2: You're exactly correct when you say medications. Medications are most likely the number one cause for issues in the oral cavity, um, most leading to dry mouth, and dry mouth causes cavities and um, recession and all kinds of issues. Um, So those medications are are the big factor. We want to have a a clean oral hygiene, a a bacteria-free mouth, because bacteria in the mouth leads to all kinds of other issues. Mainly, the most basic thing is you want a healthy mouth, so you have a pain-free mouth, so you can eat. Right. You know, if you have bacteria and decay starting in your mouth, and especially if you are a senior who is in cognitive decline and you cannot express the fact that you have a toothache, well, why is, why is my mom not eating? You know, why doesn't she have an appetite? It could just be she has a cavity.
1: Right. That might be the last thing somebody thinks to ask.
2: Right. And it's it's a pretty easy fix and you fix that and then they can eat again. I mean we I like to eat. Right. And I don't want to do it if I have a toothache. Right. So that's that's a big one.
1: Sure. And I was I was looking into this dry mouth issue which is so common. Uh, with older adults, and the list of medicines that can can increase the chances of your salivary glands not not producing what they need to produce, it goes from anything you might, if you have diabetes, if you're receiving chemotherapy or radiation, medications for to address uh, urinary frequency or incontinence, antidepressants, it just goes on and on, and the likelihood of these prescription medications leading to dry mouth just goes up, and so that's the population we're talking about. The likelihood of them being on four or more medications is pretty good.
2: Correct. And before I see a patient for the first time, I always ask for a list of their medications. And a lot of people will, why do you need to see that? Well, because it will give me a lot of answers when I see the medications that they're on. And like you said, most of them are on way more than four. Oh, I know. <laughs> so and the... the the urinary tract stuff and the, and antidepressants and, and they all, they all, they do their job that they have to do, but then the side effects, you know, especially leading to the dry mouth, you know, you're you trying to fight that.
1: Right. And another thing, I mean, so you're not, so obviously uh, if you're the, the dental uh, hygienist who might yell at me for not flossing my teeth, then obviously flossing and, and brushing teeth um, because what would be the problem if that doesn't if that's not done regularly?
2: Right. You you need that done, and um, a lot of times that's the first thing that people stop doing. Sure. Either individually or as the aides come in, the aides they have so much work to do. They surely do. I they are the heroes. Uh, I say that to them all the time. Anytime I go into a, a community, I I thank them for the job that they do because it's so important. Um, but. A lot of times, if you can skip something, it's going to be brushing,
1: right? And so that it could just be because they've lost the ability to remember to do it themselves. Uh, I would hope that they have access to the ability to do it. But if your if your mobility is is impaired and you you know getting out of bed or getting to the bathroom yourself uh, is an issue, now you're reliant on very very busy uh, nurses aides to to do to get you where you need to do that. Brushing Correct. And flossing.
2: Correct. And I always recommend a battery-operated toothbrush for everybody, whether you're a senior or not. Right? I, they just do the job so much better.
1: Right. That was the recommendation I got, and it was a game-changer, let me tell you. Those things are amazing. Um, but another thing, too, I mean, while you're at it, I happen to read, that I believe this was the CDC website, talks about cancers of the mouth are primarily diagnosed, they said, in older adults. The median age is uh, for a diagnosis is uh, 62 years. So, you know, is that part of what you're doing? You're not just in there flossing, brushing, but you're doing some sort of look for signs of of cancer of the mouth.
2: Correct. My clinical services include uh, scaling and polishing, which is the, the regular cleaning part. I do a periodontal exam, which is an exam of the gums. And then I always do an oral cancer screening. Um, of all the self-tissues, the the back of the throat, the tongue, the roof of the mouth, um, always, every single time, every single patient.
1: And what exactly are you looking for? What would be the signs there?
2: Uh, Different lumps, bumps, different colorization, something that doesn't look like it should be there. Okay. Um, and, And, you know, a lot of times we will bite our tongue, we'll bite our cheek, and then you get an ulcer. That does not look the same. You know, a blood blister or an ulcer does not look the same as what oral cancer would look like. Okay. So, you know, you you get trained to see, you look for the differences, but you you look you get trained to tell the difference between a, a, like a normal injury, you know, ulcer or whatever as compared to what may might be the start of oral cancer.
1: Sure. So having a a trained professional look at at the mouth, and because I say this knowing that if somebody is listening and they have a spouse or a parent who happens to be in this circumstance, they might just start putting their fingers in the mouth of their their loved one and looking around, but you might not be able to tell it apart from other things. But you kind of already addressed this issue, but uh, one issue I came across is nearly one in five uh, adults over the age of 65, so 20%, have lost well, actually, it's lost all of their teeth. Twenty percent. Um, I didn't realize that. It was I was looking for something on losing a tooth. Uh, so if if you haven't brushed, if I'm trying to look at consequences of not having this regular oral hygiene, well, you could you could lose a tooth. But if you lose all of multiple teeth or all of your teeth, now it's going to get into all kinds of other uh, issues, like like you said, that'll affect nutrition. Because now they're going to need softer food or something that doesn't require a whole lot of chewing. And what about now if they have dentures? Is there a special kind of care that goes along with that?
2: Oh, most definitely, yes. Um, A lot of people who are denture wearers uh, don't take them out at night, and it's so important to do that. You know, your tissues need to get oxygen. They need some air. So um, trying to educate people on the fact that they need to take their partials and dentures out every night and give their tissues some breathing space. Um, also, to look for things on the tissues under the, the partials and the dentures. Um, you know, you can get sores if your dentures start to not fit correctly. And that's a tough one, too. As we get older, sometimes, you know, with the nutrition going down, the weight goes down, and as you lose weight, you start to lose a little bit of bone and then your dentures start flapping, and then again, there you're affecting your nutrition all over again because then you can't eat because your dentures don't fit right.
1: So it's just one systemic effect after another. Correct. And all the while, uh, if there's bacteria, which might be another concern, the bacteria can lead to gum disease. It can lead to other problems. And and uh, when we come back from a break, we'll talk about these amazing studies you brought to my attention about how it goes well beyond just what's going on inside the mouth, that this is not surprisingly connected to everything else in the body. (laughs) This is a gateway to, to other concerns that come up. Um, so we'll come back and talk more about that in a moment, but I want to remind people that, uh, you know, this show is about identifying not only the, the challenges, uh, or problems that could come up in the later years of life and, and I'm certainly partial to to addressing, well before these challenges arise, any sort of legal protections, legal needs, having an incapacity plan, doing asset protection. I happen to think the middle class needs asset protection more than anybody else uh, because these health issues that we're getting into on this episode and other episodes – can turn into some rather expensive care. Uh, So if you want to learn more about the legal side of how you prepare for this, go to keystoneelderlaw.com, use the workshops tab, and sign up for one of my weekly online workshops. They're free. You can take them in from the comfort of your own home, and we're getting a lot of great feedback, so people, people are finding it helpful. So check that out. We'll be back uh, for more with Cheryl Greer in a moment. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio
0: WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley.
1: We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Colley. I'm your host, and my guest today is Cheryl Greer, who is with Your Visiting Hygienist. You can find her on the web at yourvisitinghygienist.com, 717-580-0467. Uh, Cheryl, before the break, we were going into more of the, the why. Why is this such an important uh, issue to address for older adults, especially if they're in a, a care setting where they're not getting as much attention to detail when it comes to oral hygiene. There's so many other needs that are being attended to, but sometimes this might fall down the list and it might not be an obvious uh, source of problems. I mean, obviously, if there's if the person is able to express, you know, a, a toothache or there's obvious maybe uh, uh, fissures in the mouth or something like that, then maybe that might make it more obvious. But this might be underlying nutrition problems, failure to eat, um, and just who knows what, it, what else it could lead to. And that's what I wanted to ask you is about some of the connections between poor oral hygiene and then other problems that people might not naturally connect in their minds.
2: Right. So as we said before, you know, it's important because you want a pain-free mouth. Um, but what most people don't understand is um, that there is a direct oral systemic link. Um, the research has pr- has proven that the condition of your oral health is linked to your overall health and that periodontal disease has been shown to negatively affect um, the duration and quality of life. Um, bacteria in the mouth, it not only causes decay and gum problems, um, but has been linked to higher incidence of pneumonia. Like if you just think, basically, if I have bacteria in my mouth and I breathe in, where's it going? It's going to my throat and my lungs. So you can have throat problems. You can can increase pneumonia. Um, There's a higher risk of heart disease. They have actually found um, oral plaques in arteries recently. So it is contributing to, you know, higher risk of heart disease. Um,
1: And if somebody already has some susceptibility to heart disease or has heart disease when they're in this level of care, I would imagine this could be catastrophic to contribute to the problem that way.
2: Correct. Yeah. You're just adding compounding to a problem that you already have Right. um, with that. Um, Another thing that they show as a link is stroke, you know, having high bacteria in your mouth and not getting into your bloodstream and causing issues with stroke, Um, arthritis and inflammation, uh, uh, difficulty regulating blood sugars uh, for diabetics. That's that's a very big one. Um, I know diabetics can really struggle with keeping their sugar levels correct when they have gum disease or periodontal disease.
1: You know, and now that's making sense to me when I was looking at, I believe it was the American Dental Association website, you know, when I was reading about dry mouth they, in addition to doing what what you do and having that's that's sort of their first line, where if, you know, of course, you should have this looked at by a professional and and have regular oral hygiene. But they did recommend sipping water, but stick stay away from the sugary drinks. Stay away from uh you know anything where you might have sugar in it, even if it's coffee, things like that. So I thought that must be why, because if. You know, if that's a susceptibility, you don't want to make the problem worse that way.
2: Yes, and that also, a a reason we tell people to sip water without anything sugary in them is the duration of the time of the sugar on your teeth is what will cause them to decay. So, it's not like if you have a big sugary dessert at one sitting, that's okay. Maybe not diet-wise, but (laughs) tooth-wise. Sure. Um... But you don't want to be putting like candies in your mouth and sucking on them all day or you know, drinking Gatorade that has high levels of sugar in it all day long. Uh, you want to just be doing water. And if you're going to have something sugary, then brush right after. So it's not just for diabetics. It's for all of us to not have that constant sugary bath on our teeth.
1: You know, in previous uh, guests on this show who talked about cardiovascular disease and Losing limbs because of peripheral artery disease. The ones who talked about other health complications that arise would thank you for for putting that extra point for you know you're you're going to as your mother always told you you're going to rot your teeth out and Correct. it's true.
2: <laughs> Mom was mom's always right. People, this is true. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. Um, there's so many other diseases too, and in fact, in 2018, uh, studies found. Uh, the risk for cancer, particularly lung and colorectal cancer, was increased with those who had periodontal disease. Um, and then another recent study study found that periodontitis was associated with a sixfold increase in the rate of cognitive decline. So I think we all want to slow our cognitive decline as much as we can in any way that we can. Um, so. Um, if we brush and floss, that that'll help.
1: You know, and it's, I I keep and I have this image in my head as you're saying these things that you have somebody who right at their bedside has one of those pill holders with the day of the week marked on it. And they've got 67 pills or so that they have to get through. And so much of this could be, you know, we're talking about brushing your teeth. We're talking about flossing and, and the, the amazing impact of that. And it's, it just to have that in contrast. It's like if you're going to go to the effort of taking all of this health care, but you're not taking care of your oral hygiene, you might just might as well just throw the pills out because you're, you're you could be causing serious damage to your whole health. And I'm fascinated by this link with cognitive decline. When I speak with clients, probably number one stress of older adults is, Am I going to run out of money? But closely followed by number two, Am I going to lose my? my cognitive abilities? Am I going to forget who I am, forget who my loved ones are? And I'd love to know more about this connection with oral hygiene and cognitive decline. But it's like you said, I mean, when when they're finding plaques in the brain, they're finding plaques in the heart uh, or causing stroke or causing heart disease. It just shows you how pervasive this goes.
2: It, It really does. And we just don't even really think about that until you read a study like that you just you just don't think that oh well i didn't brush today no big deal right. it is a very big deal in many many ways
1: and i wonder too how many i know that you know the diet that there's a whole dietary component of any of these care facilities um and how, i wonder how much they're attuned to uh, you know the, the constant barrage of sugar that might be sitting on the teeth. I'm, maybe they're not thinking about the teeth, but sugar is such a, a, a in, an impactful ingredient on other health issues. I wonder how much the sort of nutrition component of these care communities is paying attention to that. But when you're saying, "Don't sit there with hard candy in your mouth all day. Don't don't be drinking something some sugary drink all day," I just have a hard time thinking that's not happening all over the place. That it probably Correct. is,
2: right? And especially uh, you take. We talked about dry mouth. Well, what do you want to do when you have dry mouth? You want to put a, a sugary lozenge in your mouth.
1: Anything to feel better. Correct. And sugar will make you feel better. It hits those that dopamine going, and boy, that'll just solve anything. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They, I mean, one of the ADA, uh, American Dental Association, recommendations was not just avoiding sugary drinks, but avoiding alcohol. I don't know how prevalent that is in these, these communities or facilities. You just never know. But I thought I'd throw that out there for the listeners. You know, if if you have that going on your teeth all the time, at least brush your teeth.
2: Correct. I don't think that they're drinking there all day long. But they do have happy hour. Okay. A lot of the communities have happy hour and the uh, the residents very, really enjoy that. I happy bet they hour. do. And that's fine. You can have your happy hour. Just brush and brush floss afterwards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So moving on from, from, uh, unless there was something else you wanted to cover on this systemic link. I mean, this is already astounding to me.
2: That- I, I kind of just wanted to mention that we need to realize that the mouth is part of our whole body. Sometimes we think of it as a separate entity, but it is part of the whole body and keeping an infection free mouth helps us keep a healthy body. And if we can prevent these diseases or decrease the incidence of these diseases just by keeping up with our oral hygiene, isn't isn't it worth it? You know, it just it just makes sense to just, you know, let's let's brush and floss and and keep a healthy body, too.
1: Right. And just the everyday, I mean, I think everyone listening to this show can probably identify with how it affects your whole day if you have pain in the mouth, if you have a toothache or if you have, I don't know, your your gums are inflamed or something. We've all had that experience in one way or another. and. If you're listening to this, and if this resonates with you, it's because you know somebody who or, who either currently is in, or could in the future be in, some higher level of care. And wouldn't you want them to have the greatest comfort, have the best quality of life? And it all starts with this. And and if there's if there's any trouble with getting that the, them to have access to oral hygiene, this is where your visiting hygienist comes in. I just think this is wonderful.
2: Yes, that you know it. Sometimes it's just very difficult for people to get out to appointments. And, you know, we, we have to be aware of that.
1: Right. So, great. Then my guest today is Cheryl Greer, who is with Your Visiting Hygienist, yourvisitinghygienist.com. We'll be back to talk with Cheryl some more after a break. You are listening to the Later in Life planning show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580.
0: It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, your host, Patrick Cauley.
1: We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Cauley, and my guest today is Cheryl Greer, a registered dental hygienist with Your Visiting Hygienist. Find them at YourVisitingHygienist.com. And the, the topic today has been. You know, there's all kinds of solutions available for various challenges that come up in the later years of life. But this one's really important and often overlooked. It's attending to the oral hygiene of someone who is in a higher level of care, whether it's assisted living, personal care, uh, adult day programs, skilled nursing homes, uh, whatever the case may be. If there's a limited ability of that person to get out and go to a dentist's office like you and I do, well there's a way for Cheryl Greer to go and tend to them in the particular setting. And we've talked about some of the common issues that come up for people who might find themselves in that level of care. So Cheryl, my question for you is, you know, listeners are listening to this. They, they might have a spouse. They might have a parent. They might have a, a friend who is in a higher level of care. And they're, they're knowing as they hear this that this is a person who might not have the mobility or the energy or the strength to go out and see a dentist, but hearing everything you've said about the complications that can arise, not only for their comfort, their quality of life, but really downrange systemic problems throughout the body from a lack of oral hygiene, Um, we've talked about how to get in touch with you, your website, your phone number, 717-580-0467. Is there any particular region that you serve?
2: Um, mainly Harrisburg, Hershey, Palmyra. Um, I have a couple places in Chambersburg and Carlisle and Denver, PA, but pretty much central, South Central Pennsylvania is where I am concentrated.
1: So you're licensed in Pennsylvania. So going South into Maryland might not be an option. Am I right? Correct. And you could go as far as Scranton or Erie, but like me, you have enough work locally to keep you busy. And it's just, um... Uh, you're sticking to basically South Central Pennsylvania, so that that's that makes a lot of sense. So, if somebody gets in touch with you, is it most often the family members, the adult children, the spouse who calls you, or is it the community itself who that calls you?
2: Both. Okay, yeah, it depends on how they they heard about me. Uh, sometimes a family member uh, will hear about me through someone else, uh, and then. Or other times, it, it'll be a new resident comes into a facility where I have been, and then the facility will usually call me um, after they check with the family. So they'll let the families know that the hygienist is coming in or the hygienist is available, and they give my information, and then they'll either have the family call me or the, the facility can call me. It, it goes both ways.
1: So when we get into the actual provision of your providing the care, Um, I was looking into some issues just knowing some of my clients who have been in this care setting. What are some of the challenges? And I'm thinking uh, cognitive decline. Your approach is going to have to, your your communication is going to have to be very different. Um, Other issues where they're just not comfortable that day. I mean, how do you, there has to be unique challenges in this setting with the patients themselves that you wouldn't find if you were working in a dentist's office.
2: Correct. You have to, first of all, you have to have a passion for the senior population and you have to have patience, um, which I think comes with that passion and the love of the seniors. Um, So I, as I said, I I will come in and do, do a cleaning and a periodontal check and oral cancer screening, and it usually will last about 30 minutes, but I adjust according to what the patient will allow So if I'm working on a a patient and they've had enough and I'm only halfway done, I'm done. I stop. I note it in the chart. And then the next time I come in, I'll start with the area that I didn't get to last time. Or there have been several times where I'll go in and I'll be talking with the resident and they don't want anything to do with a dental cleaning that day. So I will sit there and spend some time because... They're fun to talk to. You learn so much. So I will interact with them and spend some time with them, and then I'll leave. And obviously, the family does not get billed for that. Um, They'll only get billed if if I do the procedures, and um, and then we'll try next time. And And, you've
1: probably earned a a level of trust. You've established a rapport by doing that, so their comfort level is more likely to be higher with you doing what you do the next time you see them.
2: Right, and sometimes— Sometimes we just have a bad day. Sure. So you know, um, and that's okay. You know, the, go ahead, have your bad day. We'll talk for a little bit, and then we'll we'll do this another day.
1: Right. And when you go into these facilities or communities, I understand that you're not just working directly with the patients themselves, but you have to in a sense, train the caregivers. You have to help them to understand the importance of oral hygiene. So what kind of education do you do in those settings?
2: Okay, so I have a couple different types of educational services that I provide. Um, I do a program for residents and or residents families where um, it's about a half an hour to 45 minutes long. And I pri- provide information and instruction on the proper technique for brushing, the way to floss, um, care of dentures and partials, because you don't brush your dentures and partials the same way you do your natural teeth.
1: Fortunately, I did not know that.
2: <laughs> well, that's a good thing, Patrick. <laughs> um I also talk about, as we did, the link between oral health, overall health, and medical conditions. I don't get into it quite as deeply, but I touch on it so that people realize that there is that oral systemic link. Um, And then I also offer a staff training. Um, I offer an hour-long program uh, designed to educate the staff members on issues concerning the mouth, um, the balance of oral hygiene, brushing and flossing, including little tricks to be able to brush someone else's teeth, especially if they don't want you to. Um, There's little tricks that you can do um, to try and get them to open. Um, I review causes of tooth sensitivity and treatments for it. I talk about dry mouth, as we did, because that is so big um, in our senior population. Um, And I talk about how to combat and deal with the dry mouth. And then I do touch briefly on lesions and things to look for in the mouth that might cause discomfort to a resident.
1: Is this pretty well received by the, a little focus on staff first? Do they welcome this kind of instruction or things to look out for?
2: I've gotten really positive feedback. Oh, good. From, from doing that, especially with, um, with the, oh, I didn't know you could do that, you know? Right, sure.
1: <laughs> so the when the, you tricks. see the, the light bulb go off mm-hmm. in their head as opposed to, oh, this is just one more thing on my already stretched thin time right. to, to get done.
2: Right, and I also, as I said, I always, always start with a thank you to them. And then I also mention that everything I go over in the training is the gold standard. You know, if we could, if I was a king for the day, this is what I would want. Right. Um, doesn't always get there. But as long as we know what our goal is and what we're reaching for, if and and the reason that we're reaching for it, you know that that that's enough.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And if you fall short, you're still doing really well if you're if you're still aiming for the goal. So Correct. that's that's good. And do the resident so so any education of residents? I mean, are does this pique their interest as well? Yes.
2: So that's more of your independent living. Sure. You know, um, they'll come to those. And I think a lot of them don't realize that caring for your dentures and partials is a little bit different mm. than caring for your natural teeth and how important it is to make sure that they're staying clean and bacteria free, just like you're and fitting properly and fitting properly. That's a big one. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So I, I guess I, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm wondering uh, what other resources would you like for people to know about? And I know your website is, Uh, you know, it's, I found it, it's, it's, what, where, what would you point people to?
2: I think, yes, my website has the most information on it with not only how to contact me, but uh, talks about my services, talks about uh, a little bit about my background. If you want to see more about, you know, my college education and where I've been and where I've gone. And um, so it has a little bit of that. There's also some testimonials on there from uh, some, of my family members the of the people that I have seen. Um, so you're going to get most of your information there um, and you can call me. Uh, right. You know, I'll answer any calls. And even if it's just a, a question about a dental issue, right. Um, go ahead and call me. If I can answer it, I will.
1: <laughs> That's great. And I think providing a little bit of personal background like that helps because you're, this is a very sort of intimate service you're, you're providing and, and the people are looking out for some of the most important people in their lives. And this is such a, a sensitive uh, issue, especially when you realize what it can affect their quality of life, their longevity. So they want to know who is this person who we're, we're bringing in to to help them and, and improve mm-hmm. their lives. And, you know, going forward, uh, I've mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again. There's all kinds of preparation that you can do for yourself, for your family, to prepare for this stage of life where, There might be a higher level of care. It might be expensive. There might just need to be an incapacity plan. There might need to be asset protection. That's what we do at Keystone Elder Law. Keystoneelderlaw.com has lots of information as well. Thank you, Cheryl Greer, with your visiting hygienist for being with me today.
2: Thank you, Patrick.
1: I hope you all come back next week for another episode of the Later in Life planning show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law here on News Radio WHP 580.